0: When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had been seen when it rose uh, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Word of our God. Let's pray. Father, as we come this morning, we pray that you would impress upon us the glory of your grace as it's revealed in this familiar story. I pray that we would not allow uh, sentiments, preconceived ideas to distract us from the reality that those who were even great and powerful came and bowed before this king. Most of us are far from great and powerful. And so it's beyond our comprehension how you would care for us. But you have And You've demonstrated it through Christ. Lord, may we see him. May we honor him. May we know that he is ours. That we are his. Speak to us, we pray, by your spirits. We pray in his holy name. Amen. It does not take much to convince me this time of year to stay away from the stores and the outlets. It's a jungle out there. And frankly, from past experience, some of those old ladies shopping for their grandchildren scare me. And so I would much rather shop where it's safe, online. Online. It's been my practice for a couple of years to do that, and so over the years I've looked and searched for different kinds of gifts, and I also realized that this is being the first Sunday in in Advent, and we're not even in December yet, that there are some of you probably who have not yet even begun to think about your list, mostly guys, uh, and much less having secured whatever gift it is you're going to get for those whom you love. And so I thought that I would share with you some of what I have found, in case any of this is of interest to you who have yet to prepare your shopping lists. Now, as many of you know, we became grandparents this summer, and so we have a granddaughter who we got to see over over the weekend, and so it's changed my focus as to kinds of gifts that we might get. And I found a dollhouse that is for sale, that is from, I can pronounce it, Astolat Dollhouse, it's a castle. That goes for a mere $8.5 million. But here's the description. The Astolat Dollhouse Castle commands an astounding $8.5 million because it boasts the finest sculpting, architecture, engineering, and creativity. It has a gym, a pool, 29 rooms, multiple floors. On top of that, there's an armory, a kitchen, a wine cellar, basement, hallway, stairways, and seven levels. The bar has real tiny liquor bottles. And there are also, it's also a grand ballroom, a music room, a library, formal rooms, and finally, at the top level, there's a majestic wizard's tower. This masterwork took 13 years to complete and weighs between 815 and 890 pounds. Its $8.5 million price tag works out at $24,425 per square foot, which makes it more expensive than the real apartments in the posh localities of New York and London. So we passed on that, but therefore it will still be available if you want that for somebody in your family. Now, some of you have no interest in dollhouses, but I did find a a model car. Uh, It's actually a a model Lamborghini. And and it says you can buy a a real Lamborghini for about $380,000, but this toy replica cost a whopping $4.6 million. The one-eighth size model was made by a German engineer And the reason for its exorbitant price is that it has gold, diamonds, and platinum rims in its headlights, steering wheel, and seats. Uh, The engineer took 500 hours to complete it, and uh, the the present, uh, and and now, uh, well, anyway, he just says this is why you now know why it costs 10 times more to buy this replica car than the car itself. Many of you are into soccer, This is a little more feasible. Uh, The Shemansky soccer ball goes for $2.59 million. Says you can't kick this ball, and yet it costs $2.59 million. The reason why is this ball is a 4.8 pound beauty that is encrusted with 3,500 carats of South African diamonds, including 6,620 white diamonds and 2,640 black diamonds. And something a little simpler. Rubik's Cube. What I found says you can buy the regular Rubik's Cube for about three bucks. But if you're an aficionado, and if you have a, flat, flat, a very fat wallet, you can pick up this masterpiece Rubik's Cube for a mere $1.5 million. It is fully functional, so it means you can play it. And it's made of 18-karat gold, with each side embellished with 185 carats of precious gems instead of stickers on each side. 34 carats of rubies, 34 carats of emeralds, and 22.5 carats of amethysts. Just some suggestions out there as you look through your shopping list. I don't think we're going to do any of these this year, and maybe you won't either. But the reality is that there are many kinds of gifts in many price ranges for many kinds of people, the people that are in our lives. And it is important that we express ourselves to one another. The gifts themselves are not, but as an opportunity to express ourselves, this is a season that our culture actually recognizes the importance of doing that. But the one question that always gnaws at me is this. With all the gifts we get and all the gifts that we exchange, What is the gift that we can give to the one whose birthday we're actually celebrating? I mean, this season is about the birth of Christ, the one whom God sent to redeem us from out of our our brokenness, to to, to set us free. It's his birthday, and it certainly is appropriate to be able to, to give gifts to one another because You know, if you go to many parties, party favors are given to everyone who participates. And so uh, giving gifts as an expression of love, because he came as an expression of love, certainly makes sense. But we need to remember this season for what it is. And I love the way J.I. Packer, theologian J.I. Packer puts it. He says the Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is as fantastic as the truth of this incarnation, and and that's what we're celebrating this season, is the truth of the incarnation, that God came in the flesh, didn't just appear in the flesh, but was born as all of us were born, and grew as all of us grew, and had the same needs of being nurtured by mother and father and neighbor and family as every one of us has, in order that he might fulfill the purpose for which God, before the foundations of the earth, had established for him. It is an incredibly awesome thing. And while party favors for everybody else are certainly appropriate, you know, I'm not an expert on etiquette, but it just seems inappropriate to give gifts to everybody but the one whose birthday you're celebrating. But what do you give the one who created everything by speaking it into existence? What do you give the one who had everything and yet forsook that, the not desiring to cling to all of his own glory and having everything, but made himself nothing, taking our form and being born humble. Humble as being born a human, and even by human standards, humble by being born to a peasant family. And that's why this passage we read this morning comes to mind. The familiar story of... The wise men, or the the magi who came from the East, recognizing that somebody spectacular was being given to this world, had been born. And they made their travels over a couple of year period, as most Bible scholars would say. Arriving to the scene, not when Jesus was still an infant, as most of our manger scenes will depict over the next few weeks, Uh, but probably more when he was a, a toddler. And not just three of them, as our songs tend to suggest, but most likely a whole horde of them, and not only a horde of the wise men coming, but these wealthy magi would not have come alone. They would have had their caravan of camels, each with their own attendants, taking care of the gifts that they were bringing. But all of those things aside, although I guess they're really not aside because that would have been the real biblical picture, and I hate to ruin all of their favorite Christmas songs, you know. They're not wrong. We three kings of the Orient, I I justify that one this way. Maybe there were 25 or 40 of these guys, but only three sang, and so they did a number, you know. We three kings, that's, you know, it fits, you know. It fulfills every theological requirement, every logical thing, and you can cling to your sentiment all at the same time. <coughs> And so, but when you think of the real picture, what a, what a picture it must have been. As coming out of the darkness, this caravan of unknown people bearing gifts to this young working class family. And walking into the house and seeing this toddler falling down before him and bowing and then presenting the gifts. We're told of gold and incense and myrrh, which is probably the reason we think of three kings, there's three gifts that are at work home. And bringing these and just laying them down before this family. So as we think of giving gifts during this season, we want to focus on these three gifts that we see that these wise men gave to our Lord. One reason is because we know that they are Appropriate. We know that they are acceptable because they were accepted and delighted in then. We recognize that they are acceptable um, because they also represent this child for who he was. He was the king, and they recognize that the one who would be born king of the Jews. And each of these gifts represents an aspect of the person of Christ. The gold that we'll look at this morning is for a mighty king. It's the the medal of the the monarch. The incense is for a ministering priest. And the myrrh is for a martyred prophet that we'll look at next week. As we look at the gold this morning, let's let's think about this. It is is appropriate for... for our Lord, for a king, uh, because it reflects him. It's, the, the kings are into gold. They, they collect gold. They, they make things out of gold. But the Bible also refers to, kind of uses gold as, as reflecting of deity. If you think about the Ark of the Covenant, which was uh, a symbol of the Christ that was to come, it's important, it was an important piece of furniture, but it was important in the worship of the people in, in the tabernacle because it was a reflection of the promised Christ. And the ark was made of acacia wood, and some scholars would say that the wood aspect of it reflects man, but it was covered completely in gold, which is a reflection of deity throughout the scripture, and if that symbolism is true, then we have a, a picture of Christ himself, even in the, in the ark itself, uh, because it was fully, fully man, and yet it was fully gold, uh, fully God. Uh, and the, what we call the hypostatic union, the two natures of Christ, are, are reflected in that. And, and so gold is a very worthwhile uh, gift, an appropriate gift. It's the idea of giving a good gift, Is it reflects the one to whom it's given and expresses the heart of the one who's giving it. Giving gold to Jesus was the perfect gift. And, and some might even say that gold is practical speaking for those who, you know, like you're looking forward into uh, the book of Revelation and we're told that in the new heaven and the new earth, the streets are going to be paved with gold. It's quite practical. It also cracks me up because, you know, in this world, people fight over gold. Wars are fought over gold. In heaven, it's going to be as common as pavement. And yet, kings long for gold. And this season, we have an opportunity to give a gift of gold to our king. Now, you might say, well that would be great. One, I don't have a whole lot of gold. Second, even if I had a lot of gold, how would I give it to you? What I want to focus on as we kind of wrap this up are the ways in which we can give the gift of gold to our Lord during this Advent season, and not limited to this Advent season, but through our lives as well. I would say the most obvious that we can give gold would be parallel to the passage here, is we give of our own resources. That's what these kings were doing. From their own resources, they were coming and they were presenting this to to the king who had just been born. And we who are called by Christ to follow him, we are also invited to, to give to him. And we give to him not just as an act of honoring, although certainly that is part of it, but we're invited to give to him as we invest ourselves in the work of his kingdom in the work of the mission of the church, in the advancement of the church, whether it's through global missions or ministries of mercy in our local communities or or throughout the world, all of which take resources. But I'm reminded of Jesus as he was speaking with his disciples, or at least those who are following him. And he made this statement, whatever you do for the least of those who are around me, you've done for me. And so as I think about that, we have this great opportunity to be stewards of the resources that God has given us and then invest them and also engaging ourselves in the mission of advancing the kingdom in our community and around the world as we give so that others may benefit, whether their tangible needs be met through mercy ministry or the hearer of the gospel for the first time or churches are established so that the community and the people group that is reached is able to sustain a church that ministers to its people and advances the gospel throughout their community and even into uh, neighboring tribes and, and peoples. You're investing in the kingdom. You're giving to those who have need. And Jesus says when you give to those who are in need, when you give to those who are considered least in this world, Jesus says, I count that as coming to me. And so one way that you can during this holiday season is giving a gift to Jesus is to invest yourself in the mission of his church. Along with that, we are able to give a gift of gold by cultivating our own personal faith. Listen to what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so what Peter here is saying is that as important as gold is, when you invest yourself in learning more about Christ, engaging him, growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you are cultivating that faith, a faith that sustains you, regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself facing, that's more precious than gold. And as you cultivate that faith and that faith is in him, then you are in relationship with him. And as you give yourself to him, You are giving yourself, you are giving to Him a gift that is more than gold. It's an investment during the season, a reminder during the season. We honor God. We bless God as He has blessed us by pouring ourselves into that relationship and making our faith a focal point of our lives. And then finally, I would just say this, we... We're able to give a gift of gold to our Lord through fruitfulness in our lives. And we see this in our good works. Paul writes to the Corinthians, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has has built on, uh, the foundation survives, uh, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so we're told that the, the works that we do, that we're prompted to do by faith, building on the foundation of Christ, because apart from that foundation, there is of no value. But we can do some things, and we can offer ourselves cheaply, giving the least of ourselves, kind of getting by, doing what seems to be, or we can offer ourselves fully. But what this passage tells us is that over time, and in the right time, whatever we have done because of our faith will be revealed because there will be a testing time. And this, we're told, trials of fire. And it will prove where our faith is. And so as we engage and offer ourselves, we might see the things that we've invested in burning up because they're of no great significance for the kingdom or we might see them refined even as gold when it is put through the fire. It's not just our works, but we also bear fruit through our words. Proverbs 25, 11, and 12 says this, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. And So what Solomon is telling us, he said, when we speak words of encouragement, words appropriate of appropriate correction, when we speak a word that is appropriate to one another, pointing us, reminding one another of God's goodness and our need of God and our and God's provision to us, that we be reconciled to God, that that word is likened to a gold ornament, a gold apple, or a gold ring. And again, as we present ourselves to God, we are therefore giving him a gift of gold. Advent season is a season of waiting. It's a season of anticipation. It's a season of expectation. But Advent season is also a time that we are reminded that we have been invited to a party that is to come. And it's common at that party for, as people anticipate that party and celebrate even at the invitation of that party, to give gifts to one another. During this Advent season, I want to encourage you. I want us to encourage one another that we not neglect to give the gift to the one who is himself, God's gift to us. Let's pray. Holy God, we give thanks to you this day for your word that instructs us but even more for the word that is incarnated in the person of Jesus Christ. For in him not only can we know the fullness of the wisdom of God, but because of him, in him, by him, we are reconciled to you. We can experience freedom and forgiveness and fullness. And so Lord, I pray that for all who call on the name of Christ, we would consider this season not only a celebration, but an opportunity to give of ourselves and to give a gift, to give a gift of gold. May you be honored and glorified, we pray, through Christ. Amen.